0: Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory.
1: Veritas, welcome to our equipping podcast. We have a special episode today. I'm joined with Uh, the worship leaders on staff, the praise pals, the liturgy lads, they're all here, Caleb, Danny, and Jonah. Uh, before we get into what we're gonna talk about, let's just get to know you guys a little bit. Uh, tell me, tell me where you went to school, a little bit about your family.
2: Nice. So uh, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I am married to my wonderful wife, Selena. She's great. And who are you? And my name, of course, is Danny. <laughs> That's we just start point. talking.
1: All the listeners like, who's talking? Who is this? By now
2: they should just know the you sound should, of my voice. Right? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Danny. Went to Moody okay, Bible Institute. So
1: this is for Caleb and Jonah. For those listening that are like, I know I've seen all three of these mm-hmm. guys, but I don't know which one is Danny. How would you describe
0: <laughs> Danny Ooh. to them? Mm. This is he's be like bad. the manliest I'd say, I mean, man-
1: looking. I would also agree with that. <laughs> he's he's the Hobbit with long hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Of you Jonah. he has the combo of both head or hair on the head and hair on the face.
1: Mm. Okay. Everybody's like, okay, Danny. Yeah. No, no. Okay, go on, Danny.
2: Yeah, and that's basically it about me, the Hobbit with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've already pretty much. Hey, hobbits are wonderful it. creatures.
0: Yeah, I'd love to be oh. a Hobbit.
3: Yeah.
1: All right, Caleb.
0: Um, I went to school at University of Iowa, um, studied cello performance there. And I, my family, I have a wife named Emma. She's amazing. She's a photographer. And
1: So you, studying cello yeah. performance, was your final exam like you just had to play something?
0: It was. I was like a big, um, I, I had like a senior recital. They got canceled because of COVID, so that mm, kind of sucked. Nice.
1: <laughs> so you didn't do your final?
0: Didn't do my final, Yeah, my senior year.
1: How'd you pass?
0: Um I just just passed. Educational standards. Today. <laughs> it was a trying time.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jonah. Yeah, my name is Jonah, and I went to Ocean's Edge School of Worship, and I'm married to my lovely wife, Vina. She, where is Ocean's Edge? Ocean's Edge is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, okay. It's a school of worship, kind of like a, a Ocean's Edge, I almost. didn't know, like Kentucky? <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> no, that's pretty close yeah. to the ocean. Illinois? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, went there and married my wife shortly after that, so... And two, you guys are expecting a child here soon, right? We are. Yeah. Fun fact, we're a week apart. Which I is crazy. Like, yeah, pretty crazy.
1: Okay. Now if the other if people are listening and be like, okay, I I don't know who what Caleb which one's Caleb, which one's Jonah. Danny.
2: Oh, how would I describe them? Help our people out. <laughs> oh man, how would I describe them? Um Jonah looks like the like magazine cover of worship fashion. So oh my
0: gosh.
2: I don't know how I feel about that. And then, and then Caleb gives like
1: worship fashion, worship there's fashion so much magazine. Wrong with that. Yeah, there's, so there's so much wrong <laughs> <So> with
2: <much. I laughs> that. I, I agree. To put on a yeah. <laughs>
3: oh, my goodness. oh
2: man. Uh, Caleb, man, I don't know. I mean, the obvious thing is he's got a little less hair than the rest of us. Wow. So, sorry, That's, dude. I mean, yeah, it just is what it is.
1: That's probably the most helpful. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, you could have said the guy who plays the cello.
2: Yeah, but they already know that.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah. now they're <laughs> tracking. Okay, so we got our worship leaders joining us today. Uh, uh, surprise, surprise to talk about worship. Uh, it's uh, a passion of ours as a church that we want to be uh, worshipful people. And we know when you look in the Bible, worship is more than singing. Uh, that it's all of life and all of life is all for Jesus uh, to show his worth. But a lot of times when we use the word worship, we kind of, we're referring to expressing praise corporately on a Sunday morning. So that's kind of a lot of the lane that we're going to run in this morning because um, we want it to be characteristic of our church that our people sing, our people express praise to God. Uh, and not just want it. I feel like Anytime I talk to people who visit our church, that's one of the things they say. It's like, "Oh, your people praise." They they sing out. And that's such a sweet thing. But we want to always continue to grow in that. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that today. Uh, so guys, just starting off, what is
3: worship? Mm, that's so good. Um, it comes from the word. No, Danny, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm so bad at words. I am too. What? It's worth scope? Worth, worth no? Worth scope? Worth <laughs> scope? There you <we> go. Not <laughs> even close. Try, can try, can try. <laughs> Not close. <laughs> um, which means to ascribe worth, and that's what we're doing when we worship the Lord. We're ascribing worth unto Him, because uh, He's worthy of all of our hearts, actions, and of course our worship. So that's what we're doing when we gather together. We're ascribing that worth to the Lord. Mm. Yeah. We
2: actually get a picture of that too in Revelation 5, which I'm going to flip to now. Don't judge me if it takes me a minute to get there. But you kind of have this throne room scene where John is looking and he sees the lamb who's Jesus. And it says this, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders of the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. And so it's just coming before the Lord and saying, yes, you deserve every bit of our affection, every bit of our love. We're ascribing worth to
1: you. You are worthy. So on that definition and even the examples of worship we see in Scripture, what do, what do we think we learn about worship and what are some of the ways that we see worship go wrong in churches or, or maybe like that it's concerning?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think where we see it go wrong um, I think it, it becomes more of a performance thing it becomes more about us and I think the abilities that we have and the creativity that we have rather than what we're actually doing like what, who we're supposed to be actually ascribing that worth to mm-hmm. I think the focus can be drawn too much on just I don't know like very physical things um, as opposed to like the Lord and, like, the throne room, like, picture that you just described in Revelation. Um, I think it's really easy, I think, to get lost in that sometimes, just as a church.
0: Yeah, and I think it can go wrong when we make worship more of, like, an emotional Mm. thing, too, and not, like, actually just focused on our Creator God. And so, like, more of an experience, emotional experience Mm. that can become... So, so in that, how do you
1: walk the line? Like, what is good emotions and what is bad emotions in worship because we're made with emotions mm-hmm. and scripture commands us to express emotions but when when does it go wrong in that
2: That's a good question. I think when you don't have the emotions tied to like substantial truth that you're proclaiming uh-huh. and singing. So, if you're singing some songs together but they don't ever really get at who our our Lord is, what he's done and it's you can tell what's really moving people is the music, the rhythm, the lighting, the maybe, you know, whatever like haze they put in, but sure. we're not actually singing anything really deeply about God. That might be a warning sign of like, are we actually looking at who we're meant to worship or is it making it more about the experience?
1: Yeah, where, where it can go to emotionalism, Yes, where you're just trying to manipulate the emotions and people walk out feeling like worship was great because I had an emotional experience. Yeah. but truth should stir up emotion. So it's like, that should make me joyful. That should make me lament. That should make me excited. And that mm-hmm. should come out in our worship when it's kind of rooted in, in truth or in a, a response to that truth, yeah. for sure. Sometimes it feels like when you have certain levels of quality uh, in a church service and presentation, you fall into this trap of like people feeling it's a concert mm-hmm. and they get into a watch mode rather than a participation mode. I can just go on about my concerns. What, what, what other ones do you guys feel?
2: <laughs> no, just, yeah, just going off of that, the importance when we gather together, we, we talk about this, this is one of our values here, that we encourage and value our congregation to participate in our worship and not just spectate. And mm. that's been, for all of us, I think a driving force behind what we want to do here is how with every step we take, every song we sing, every leading moment, how are we encouraging the congregation not just to look or come with a consumer mindset, but actually say, I'm a part of this? Because the reality is there isn't really beyond anything like a separation between the people on stage and the people in in the seats. We are all the gathered family of God, and we're all made to worship together. And
3: so that's that's a huge value for us. Mm. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm leading, that's just always something that I keep at the forefront of my mind is how i'm engaging the congregation like song to song mm-hmm. um thinking about certain i don't know areas within a song like how do i how do i engage them just a little bit more whether i'm just inviting them to sing louder or inviting them to express a posture of praise um i think that's just something that as a as a leader uh as a worship leader we're called to invite them to also participate like you're saying um so that's just something that i just I'm constantly thinking about when when we're leading so when you guys put
1: together a set for Sunday morning, are you just sitting in a room with your instruments and be like, that's a cool song. We should do that. Uh, what What's kind of the thought process to intentionality in a worship set for us on Sunday morning? Yeah,
0: okay. we actually just like created a document. It's called the seven C's um, that we go through. It's like a checklist basically that it's, is it like captivating? Is it congregational? Are there like creative elements in there? Um,
2: how is it connected to the yeah. sermon? Mm-hmm. How are
0: we building team camaraderie? So
2: there's mm. a we think about a lot of those different things. I think for us usually what,
1: what, before you go, what's the last one because it's probably the most important. one. <laughs> uh, is there Christ-centered? Christ exalted? Mm, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure.
2: Yeah, and overall, and I was gonna kind of yeah going off of that. How is it connected to the word that's being proclaimed mm. in whoever's preaching? and how is it going to lift christ up and so we don't want the songs we we put in a set to just be there because we're like oh we know people like to sing these or oh they're fun songs we're saying how is this going to pair with the preached word so then when we sing these truths they're connected and we're proclaiming and confessing what we just heard
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and making sure there's like a steady diet of different types of songs too it's so like celebratory songs lament songs like forget forgiveness and confession songs because there's like songs that everyone likes to sing like you can throw all hail king jesus on the set and, he, and people will <laughs> sing it out but yeah. um you want to like have that steady diet of, of songs that is like important that you see throughout scripture in the psalms so,
1: yeah we're we're called to express lament to celebrate uh to confess to sing to god to sing to one another there's all just different kinds of expressions of praise in the scripture uh, one of the things we try to be in, intentional at though is there is an, um, an imbalance of emotions called for and joy and celebration is the dominating emotion of praise because of the hope we have in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And even when you read the lament songs, there comes this but God mm-hmm. kind of turn of, okay, I'm lamenting, but I'll, yet I'll put my hope in you. And I, I think we always want to, um, have a dominant, uh, emotional express of celebration that says oh these guys are saved people Mm, like they found the hope in the gospel and Mm -hmm. i love that as a part of our church um so why why is worship important guys
2: I think when it comes down to it, just very simply, I would say two things. It's what God deserves, and it's what we are made to do. Mm -hmm. So in Romans 11, Paul says this simple statement in verse 36, maybe not that simple, but he says it (laughs) in one just little sentence, for from him and through him and to him, and the him being God, are all things, to him be glory forever, amen. So he's saying, hey, we were actually created for the purpose of giving worth to God. That's actually how we were made. We're all worship." beings deep down, like we were created to worship. And I love one of the my favorite quotes that is kind of an old dead theologian, Augustine riffing on this, as he says, you stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless till it rests in you. So it's what we were made to do. It's who we were made to worship and God is the only one worthy of that.
1: I think that's really important that people can tend to miss where that worship is just a part of the Christian life mm-hmm. rather than the central purpose of the Christian life. We were made to worship. We will worship for all eternity. Um, we find our fulfillment in praising of God that's kind of rooted in our DNA of of how he made us. Uh, and And we tend to miss that of like, oh, yeah, it's just an aspect of it, but it's the mm-hmm. driving core of it.
2: Yeah, and one thing that like surprises me or or is that people forget we're actually always worshiping something. Like yeah, it's not man. just, "Oh, I'm not worshiping God, but I'm not worshiping something else." Your time, your bank account, your what you do with every bit of your life is giving worth to something. And so what we want to do is, "Hey man, like we want you through the rhythms of coming and worshiping with us to reinforce in your heart that the one who deserves that is not your sports team, not your job, ultimately not even your family. Ultimately, those are all good things, but it has to come first from a heart that comes to God and says, you're what's worthy of worship and everything else flows downstream.
1: For sure. And I think sometimes in church we've, we've often, or you've often heard kind of the, you get more excited about your sports team than you do. God kind of like punch in the gut. Mm -hmm. The the application of that is not to not be excited about your sports team.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's to be that much more excited about your God. And yes. I think some people are like, oh, you got me. I should really not cheer so loud at the football game. No, it's like <laughs> you should sing louder at church. You should recognize that this is so much better than mm-hmm. that.
2: There's mm-hmm. no way to watch Brock Purdy play and not
0: get excited. You know? <laughs> Day's a big Brock Purdy. I love Brock is, yeah. Purdy. <laughs> He's, is he doing well again this year? He's doing so good, Yeah, like, This is Dane's <laughs> first year watching football. But
2: it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm the biggest bandwagoner you can imagine. I love Brock
1: Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant. It's a great story. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Iowa State grad. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Gilbert High School grad, where, where I lived in Arizona. Even oh. I didn't
3: know that. Yeah. Wow. Well,
1: wow. That's true. <laughs> all right. Why else is it important? Any other things you guys want to add to that?
0: I think just like gathering in corporate worship is really important. Um, be, being like in the family of believers and gain type like worship alongside other people and just being encouraged in the faith. If you look at um, Colossians 3.16, where it just says, um, like, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Just like we're, we're built up in the faith by singing with one another. And we can think a lot of times as worship as just being like, Oh, I like to like worship vertically, but there's Mm -hmm. just such an important element. Worshiping horizontally of the gathered, church, the gathered church. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Just to make this podcast more controversial. Last night I watched the, (laughs) that new documentary that came out from grace church with John MacArthur, essential church. This kind of documents their struggle with staying open during the lockdowns of California Mm -hmm. and just, you can look at physical health, but to look at spiritual health and understand why we were made, like the, to gather with the body of Christ to sing praises, is essential. Yes, like it's it's yeah. so important to who we are and how we were made. And if if you're not worshiping, you're going to have side effects to that. Like yeah. you may not be able to diagnose it, but it's like there's it's there's some troubling things there if we're not doing what we were created to do in that sense yeah um, all right that's enough controversy <laughs> let's just get let's get more wild here uh, but i i love piper's quote on uh i think it's by bread is it you, you'll tell me if it's piper's quote. <laughs> uh missions exist because worship doesn't yeah, mm-hmm. yeah of like
3: Piper.
1: the reason we go share the gospel in unreached places is not just to save lost souls It's that God is worthy of worship in those places, and he's not being worshiped in those places. And there's a God-centeredness to missions. And I think a lot of times we miss that of like, oh, these people are lost without Christ. We have to go save them. And that is an aspect of evangelism. But at the core of it is like, oh, no, God's not being worshiped in that village, and he's worthy of that worship in that village Mm. and really just being motivated by the glory of God.
2: Yeah, and just kind of before we move on, just for anyone out Wait, there, are you ready to move on? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying. Let me wrap this game? up. <laughs> yeah, so that's been great, guys. Let's uh, head up. No, I just want to say, like, for anyone out there listening who is kind of questioning, like, does my coming to to worship weekly and worshiping with the family of God, like, does that need to be be a weekly habit? I would just like really encourage you to think through like the importance of that week in and week out. That it's not an optional thing. If we're always being trained to love and worship something in our lives that we need to come and encourage each other to see God is worthy of that. And just to make that a deep priority priority kind of in our age where it's like, Oh, you can catch anything online.
1: Yeah. You know, I I don't know how your generation is. I think more my generation and maybe the one before that kind of overreacted to a sense of high church call legalism to this attitude of like, I don't have to go to church every Sunday. And it's like, well, well, no, you don't have to go to church every Sunday, but that's kind of foolish yes. to not yeah. engage in that. Like you don't have to eat vegetables, but I recommend it. You know, you don't. Yeah. Um, and
2: if Jesus is your elder brother, the God is your father, and the people around here, your family. Why would you not want to come and enjoy like the family of God yeah. together?
1: Yeah. Um, in the name of liberty, I think we've landed in stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, not no, any like certainly. a cruel way, just like no, yeah, no yeah. that's that's harm harmful mm-hmm. to your soul. Yes, yeah. you're not doing that. Yeah. Okay, so how do we practice corporate worship? What what values guide us? What is important mm-hmm. to us in the practice of corporate worship here at Veritas?
0: I mean, I think just kind of going along with what we were just saying is making coming to church a habit is so mm-hmm. important. If you're just coming to church, you know, once a month, and you're only just being encouraged by the church body once a month, it's going to be like, hard to really. Um, just like grow in, in your love for the Lord and, and worship in that way. So, just I think making coming to church a habit is super do,
1: important. Do you think it's like a muscle that you yeah. work, or it's in shape or out of shape?
0: I, I would I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like also it's like when the church comes together. That's not supposed to be our only time that we worship. So we're worshiping through the week, and this is our one time we're coming together to worship yeah. as a body. And so. If none of us are worshiping throughout the week and we're just depending on coming to church as our one time to worship the yeah. Lord, that's a problem too.
1: I, I I've listened to a message I think I can't remember. I I've been hit a lot. I have like these vague memories of, <laughs> I don't know where I heard it. <laughs> uh, but something that's effective like sometimes the 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 thing our soul needs most is to be in the room to hear the body of Christ sing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like to be in the presence of other people, brothers yeah. and sisters, worshiping God. And to not have that is you just get a malnourished soul.
2: And that kind of leads right into the kind of when we think about congregational or corporate values, this next one we've hit on it that like we value and prioritize participation of everyone instead of a performance of a few people. Mm-hmm. Because if everyone's coming to to gather and worship, but nobody is is singing loudly or participating you're missing out on the opportunity to encourage the the brothers and sisters in the room around you and actually like, look at how great our God is. And so it's a challenge for everyone of like, let's come and participate because our God is good. And because the people around us might be encouraged by our acts of worship and faithfulness, even if we don't realize it in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. One of the things you may notice coming to Veritas long enough is just a diversity of musical expression. Mm-hmm whether it's using the cello, the violin, having some funky blues, some, some rock, whatever. There's, there's like a discipleship purpose behind that. Because if you don't work that muscle, you can easily slip into making worship about your preferences. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how diverse the body of Christ is. And you may have a rude awakening in heaven when it's like, Oh, I don't like this song. It's, but. Because it's not about the song or the musical style. It's about the God that we worship. Yeah. And my hope is for our people is that you would be so captivated by God, you could worship to anything. Anything that's true and, and and accurate. It's like, because here's what could happen, especially like for salt students, they grow up and it's like, I get used to this quality of music, this style of music. And then your job takes you to rural Iowa and it's like, they got a bad organist and they <laughs> sing hymns and you have an attitude of like, I can't worship to this. And mm. it's like, no, 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 no. it's the same God mm, yes. and you need to love that God. And whether you end up in cowboy church in Oklahoma or a inner city church in Chicago, like you are a worshiper mm. and we just want to work that muscle where you never yeah. come in and be like, oh, I don't really like this style. It's always about God. Yes. And we want to help you worship in, in a variety of expressions. Yeah anything else you guys would add to that
3: well what do we say all the time like worship isn't a genre right yeah Mm -hmm. and i think that's definitely something that we've just i don't know built as a as a culture even before caleb and i came on staff and that's just been really sweet because i think we have the same hearts Is you know worship isn't just music um you know it's it's our lives it's how we live you know so
1: okay so let's get weird why (laughs) uh why physical postures in worship
2: yeah. yeah, I think one reason is that God actually made us as Im- like created us in a body. We're embodied people, and that's not actually going to go away. In uh, Philippians three twenty and twenty one, Paul says, "Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body." by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So our bodies will be perfected, but we're always going to have a body. And so God created like our soul and our body to be in relationship with each other and they actually affect each other. And I think this happens more than we think. Like uh one example I think of is when all the time when you see like uh someone propose to their girlfriend, the picture is them with their hands over their mouths in excitement or jumping. It's it's them reacting just naturally. Uh, based on the affection that's in their hearts. It's a natural thing to be excited and to jump. And so their happiness in their heart, it comes out in, in their body. And it happens in the reverse actually too, which is crazy is that not only is it, can it be an expression of what's inside us, but when we do something physically, it can actually train our hearts to love the Mm. thing we're worshiping more. And so one thing, when I was in high school, we were in a choir and our our guy, uh, our director always made us hold hands when we sang. In the first like month, we were like, "This is terrible." Like everyone's hands are sweaty. This is <laughs> gross. But it's this crazy thing is that it really began to grow a bond in us as we got uh, used to it. It's like mm. we're a family, you know. It, it sounds I cheesy. I still
1: remember Sunday night church as a high schooler circling the auditorium, holding hands, yeah. singing "Bless Be the Tide That Binds." And <laughs> you it sing start it for us. It start. Oh, I would rock. It. <laughs> <laughs> it started out like this is stupid, and it's like. This are such fond memories yeah. mm-hmm. of just looking and like, we're in this yeah. together. Should
2: and hold so, hands right now, yeah, let's hold hands. <laughs>
1: but like, the, the point of that is like, when
2: we do something physically, it can actually be shaping how we think about things, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's one of the reasons we want so to practice to, it. So,
1: talk to us. What do you mean by physical posture in worship?
0: Yeah, I think that I mean, there's a lot of physical postures um, lifting your hands in worship, clapping, dancing, and I, I think like where we get these are, they're actually found in scripture. Mm. Um, and that's like one of the reasons that we do it is because they are commanded in, in Scripture. Um, there's a lot of like Hebrew words for praise um, that are like translated praise in English, but it's like yada, which means to lift your hands, or halal, which means to dance. And they're used found like hundreds of times in the Psalms. And so it's not just something that we've made up in this century or something. It's actually something that is commanded in Scripture. So
3: mm. Yeah, we're supposed to obey it, right? Yes. Like the Lord commands us to do it. Yeah. And so... We should like in an act of obedience um, portray those postures when we worship. I think for me, like I'm not an expressive person. <laughs> if you've talked to me, I'm pretty chill. Um, so honestly, this was a huge struggle for me um, growing up. Like growing up in the church, and then as like I stepped into worship leading, it was not something that came natural to me. But throughout Scripture in the Psalms, like all over, you see we're supposed to sing, we're supposed to clap, all those mm-hmm. things. And so for me, um, it was really pushing me outside of my comfort zone to lift up my hands. And I remember the first time I, I actually ever went to my knees, we were singing. Um, I don't remember the song, but the one of the lines in the chorus was, I'm falling on my knees, like offering all of me. And as I'm singing this, I'm like, mm. I'm such a hypocrite right now. I'm proclaiming that I'm doing this thing and I'm not even doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I just went to my knees and started worshiping the Lord. And uh, I'll never forget like the that moment of just like in obedience, I didn't, I didn't want to, but I did. And, um, I don't know, the Lord met me like in that place, in that, in that response to, to worshiping him. And, um, it just kind of began this journey of obedience for me, um, and now I just can't—I can't not express <laughs> like worship, yeah. like and just lift my hands and, and clap. Yeah,
1: we just need to edit all our songs. Like I'm falling on my knees metaphorically. You
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. don't
1: actually have to do this. Yeah, it, like, I'm actually, like, like, need what, what is up with that? Lifting like, my crazy. hands in my heart. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it is a—it oh, is an
1: encouragement uh, when you're around other people who are worshiping,
3: mm.
1: and I just want uh, on for you guys to uh, to talk to the congregation that your worship you lead the people on stage in worship by your worship. You can be super encouraging when these guys in the band and who's ever up there mm-hmm. see you engage in okay. worship. And on the flip side, you can be extremely discouraging yes. when they're looking out and it's like you're not singing, your arms are crossed yeah. and there's no joy in that. Okay, so what would you say to the person who's just really uncomfortable with all this?
2: Yeah, I think, Jonah, you already kind of hit on it really well. But the first thing, just to kind of have a tough love moment, is like, the truth is, Scripture's kind of full of commands you might initially be uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't read Jesus saying, take up your cross and follow me and be like, I can't wait to do that. I'm super (laughs) comfortable with that, or giving sacrificially, or sharing the gospel with other people when you know how that might be received and so i think like the the guiding question for us as christians even though it's hard has to be before what am i comfortable with it's like what has god called me to like we want to be we talk about that here we want to be bible people and that means not just reading the bible but saying if god has commanded i'm going to take that step now i understand that that's scary sometimes um And it's hard to be like, this is not naturally who I am. I'm going to be thinking about so much while I'm doing this, the people around me, the, the anxiety that that comes to. And so just a few simple things I would encourage you is like, just come next week and take one small step of obedience. Like if you need to, just one time during a song just sing out a little louder because God has called us to sing or you need to just raise one hand cuz you're you're expressing surrender and dependence on God like take one small step and trust that God is going to start to to train you to to fall into that more and more because he's commanded it and so if you're faithful to obey it he will slowly stir that in your heart mm-hmm.
1: i've found it it is a it is a trainer in boldness if you are uncomfortable to lift your hands and worship in church you're definitely uncomfortable to talk about Jesus in the workroom yeah. at work mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you won't stand for him when the doctrines are culturally offensive mm,
3: yeah.
1: um it's a it's an exercise in boldness but what at what point is it cultural or personality driven and can expressiveness in worship go too far in corporate worship
0: mm.
1: what do you guys think
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it all comes down to the hard posture that's behind it. I think like a lot of it is based out of humility, whether like you're, are you focused on yourself? Mm -hmm. And am I like raising my hands to draw attention to myself and to fit in? That's like, that's pride right there. Or also on the flip side, like, am I not wanting to raise my hands because I'm scared of what people are going to think of me? Mm -hmm. That's just like all focused on yourself. And so it's like, I think it comes down to being humble and just thinking of God more and being like, no, I'm called to this or, um, and so just like focusing on, yeah, the Lord instead of yourself in worship is, I think, like, what it boils down to.
1: There's also a sense of knowing your context, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> where if in the name of being expressive in worship, if somebody sprinted down the aisle to the mm-hmm. front and just got up on stage and started twirling in yeah, expressive yeah. joy, it's like everybody in this room is now looking at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have stolen the attention from our God. Yep. If you're standing in the row and people are lifting hands, nobody's like just a part of of corporate worship. And I think sometimes we, in our very individualistic society, we think church is about me mm-hmm. and my expression of worship. You can do that at home. Yeah. But when you gather with the body, this is corporate worship. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a level of uh, social awareness of context to be mm-hmm. like, what is corporate expressions of worship look like together? And when is my expressions of worship just a distraction for the rest of the room?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Any counsel you'd give on that, on how to figure that, what what that line is? Oh, man. <laughs> <I didn't
2: navigate laughs> He's that. asking the hard-hitting questions, boys. <laughs> asking it's the good. hard-hitting
3: questions. It's um, good stuff
2: yeah I think I think it goes both ways in the sense of we, we kind of talked about the heart motive of a good question to ask is, am I making this about me? you know and honestly, my guess is for most people, it's the opposite where it's I'm making about me by not being expressive, you know, and I don't want to be noticed or seen, but that's always the 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 question is like you said, Jake, is this taking attention off of God? But then the other question that we already hit on you have to ask is, well, has Scripture commanded it? And then that that's a great way to know beyond preference, hey, Scripture has commanded us in certain times to clap our hands, to lift our hands. And so you can't let kind of this fear of distraction lead you to to disobey God's word. And then for the other side, I would counsel people, if you're singing, and this has been me sometimes in my judgmental heart, if you're singing and you're seeing someone else being extremely expressive if I'm letting that ultimately distract me from God, that has to be on me first. I don't know their heart motive. You know, they might have to answer to God for being distracting by making it about them. But ultimately for me, I'm like, well, my vision should still be on Jesus, you know?
1: Well, yes and no. I think I look at Paul's instructions in in 1 Corinthians where God is a God of order Mm -hmm. and their worship was disorderly Mm -hmm. and everybody was doing what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain sense of like, Hey, you don't get to do whatever you want to do Correct. when you want to do it when you're in the corporate worship setting. Yeah. Cause you're, you're wrecking our, our corporate gathering. Yes. So there's a sense of like understanding that you are one person in a room, a part of a body that's being led to. Do things together. Yes,
2: correct. I'm speaking, I suppose, more to the people that, like, I used to be in middle or high school that would see people raising their hands or singing boldly, not think beyond that, but then I'd be thinking, oh, I doubt they uh, actually believe yeah. that. Or, you know what I Faker. mean? Faker. Faker. <laughs> yes, correct. So, absolutely. There's a certain yeah. point which is yeah. like, there's no way not anyone could be paying attention to you with what you're doing, you know? And that's,
0: yeah. I think it comes back to like looking at what is commanded in scripture. And like, if you're like, like I feel called to like, do this, like, go and twirl crazy, like, crazy stuff on stage. Like, I think, like, that's – you can't just say, I feel called to this yeah. in a corporate gathering. I think you can look at what's commanded in Scripture, and yes. that's kind of more the parameters that are set. Um,
1: I think it's commanded scripture in Scripture and context, because there's certain yeah. things. If you go to Africa and you're a part of a worship service and there is dancing throughout the room, you dancing is not going to stand out. In fact, you not dancing might stand mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. But if you're in – Rural Iowa in a church that's hymns and a hymnal and you start dancing, you're not helping the corporate worship in that mm-hmm. sense. And I think in, in, like, it's like, well, we're commanded to dance. Like, well, David danced. Um, there was a descriptive, I don't know if that was prescriptive there or is your heart motive just to be so self-centered in how you want to express your individual worship? That would be one, one concern I'd have with kind of using the Bible to justify mm, disruption yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? so what what are some ways that people can grow as worshipers
3: hmm. Well, I think just what we've been talking about obedience um, we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth and um, if we look at the Word of God like as our ultimate source of truth um, just like what Danny said like if you like in a worship setting in a corporate worship setting lifting your hand like if you just you're worshiping, lift up your hand, like, I don't know, push past that discomfort and actually walk in obedience in that. I think that's just a very simple way to grow, you know, in our worship. And then there's just, I don't know, so many <laughs> resources and books that I think that we've read. And, um, maybe Danny, if you want to talk more about that, um, just like, I don't know, just even things that we've read together as worship leaders, I think would be a great resource too. Mm-hmm. And- Oh, okay. no you, you i was go gonna ahead. say and
0: I think like just growing in your spiritual dip- disciplines reading your Bible throughout mm-hmm. the week is going to pay off a lot in growing in a worshiper mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning um, so just not relying on the Sunday morning gatherings to mm. grow as a worshiper that's good but reading your bible pray and I think you'll that, that's like the the most important yeah. thing I think you'll be doing Sweet. Yeah. What what are some of those resources? Yeah, we got a few here. Um,
2: there's one article that that is, if you're someone who's like, man, I don't have time to read a book, which I understand you're a mom, you're a dad, you're working 50-hour weeks, whatever. Um, one resource that's super helpful that's highlighting all that we've talked about is an article on Desiring God by Bob Coughlin, who's just been a faithful worship leader for decades. And it's called Physicality of Faithful Worship. So you can go to Desiring God, search Physicality of Faithful Worship, and it'll pop up. And it just gives this brief primer on why we express ourselves in worship and what it means. And just to read one quote that really stuck with me, uh, it's kind of, it goes along with all that we've been talking about, about how it, it trains us to love and worship Jesus more when we practice physical postures, is he says this, "'Sometimes we need to be jolted out of our laziness. Occasionally on a Sunday morning, I feel disconnected from what's taking place. I find my thoughts and affections wandering or dull.' In those moments, I've knelt down or raised my hands to acknowledge God is God and I'm not, and that he alone is worthy of my reverence, obedience, and worship. And eventually, those actions help draw my heart to appreciate more deeply what I'm singing or hearing, I've done the same when I've been alone. In both cases, my body trains my heart to recognize what's real, what's true, and what matters. So just a beautiful thing. That's just a taste. I would go and read the rest of the article. But if you don't have a lot of time to read a book, that's where I'd start. But we got a few really helpful books as well. Caleb, uh, there's one that's kind of stuck out to you.
0: Yeah, it's a real short book um, by Darren Whitehead. And then Chris Tomlin uh, adds in some. Um, Never heard of him. Yeah, <laughs> the legend, the goat. Uh, he adds in some commentary in there. Um, but it's just talk. It's called Holy Roar, It just goes through um, just different postures of praise um, that the, the different Hebrew words for praise that are different postures of praise, and so um, really good and like transformative for me of how I think about postures of praise, um, and it's a real short read. So uh,
3: yeah, you introduced me to that book, and I read, it and I thought it was just so practical and mm. just such an easy read. Um, but also just really challenging too. Um, yeah, it's such a good book. Uh, another one that we've been reading together uh, as worship leaders is called Rhythms of Grace. Um, and uh, we're about like halfway through, would you say? Yeah. Uh, and I think it just goes... <laughs> Caleb's like, ah, kind of. We've nice. been working our way through it all the <laughs> <laughs> Reading it for six months.
0: But it's <laughs> yeah,
3: I, it's, yeah, we've been taking it really slow, which I'm actually really grateful for because it just feels like it's a lot um, weightier, I think. And it, it delves a lot deeper than uh, something like Holy Roar. Um, like there was a chapter that covered, uh, church history and like worship and, um, it's just full of so many good things. Um, a lot of practical things too, as we've just been, um, yeah, reading it together, it's been awesome. So that's another good one, Rhythms of Grace. Yeah. The the history of church worship is fascinating Mm -hmm. if you dive into that. Um, what's, what's your guys'
1: hopes for what Corporate worship is like on Sunday mornings at Veritas Church?
2: I think just a gathered people that come that are obsessed not with ourselves or even our church, but with God. Because I think if people come and their vision is focused on Christ crucified, on Christ risen now in heaven, and we're glorifying Him. And we really have trained our, our hearts to see that and want to praise him. Like, the physical postures will come and the singing out will come because we can't help but be excited about our God. So I think just to people that are coming saying, yes, I'm ready to worship the king, my heart is captivated by the glory of God beyond anything else. And then that comes out in how we worship.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good.
0: Yeah, and just staying, singing out, I think that's mm-hmm. just— I, I love that about this church, and that's one of the coolest things— as. Uh, as when I came on staff, just like seeing that and hearing that has just been so sweet. So continuing in that um, would be awesome. Mm.
3: Yeah. There's such a sweetness, I think, to this particular body of believers. And I think my hope would be, um, for us all to just go deeper in our mm. love and our intimacy for him. Cause what we're celebrating is that freedom, like we talked about in the beginning and like, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened, you know, in, in, uh, in the, in the world. And so, um, I think just um, continuing to walk into that expressive, like, um, yeahness of of worship um, and celebrating the joy that we have in in Jesus Christ is is something that should be loud and exciting and energizing. Um, I just, yeah, I would love to see us just continue to to head towards that.
1: Mm, that's good, guys. Well, one thing that I would say is when you come on Sunday mornings, don't just sing. Know what you're singing. Mm-hmm. Um, really understand what you're proclaiming in those songs and then s- sing it and mean it from your heart. I mean, that's, that's the core of worship there. Um, and I, my hope is there is just a tangible passion for King Jesus yeah. that people feel every Sunday. And there's this kind of mix of reverence of the holiness of God but also this party celebration that we've been saved and rescued from our sins. And um, I think that would just be a sweet thing that if people came to our church and they experienced the joy of our salvation and our worship, they'd want in on it. So uh, Veritas, we love you. We hope this was helpful. Uh, thanks, guys, for for taking some time and speaking to this issue.
3: Yeah, so glad to. Again. Thanks. All
0: right, see you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at and put podcast in the subject.